Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for a radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, it's tuning in through our friends online around the world. We're glad that you all could join us as well. It's hard to believe, but I was first introduced to author Dana Sanders Hill back in 2019. So we're talking almost four years ago then. It was with her book, Allegra Shadow. She's now been able to write two books that I've been able to read, Allegra Shadow, as well as the prequel Shadow Beginnings. She's going to be talking to us today not only about her literary journey, but also what it's been like for her to share her own love of storytelling with the world, these characters she's been able to create, and also what we should be on the lookout for her when it comes to the future as well. Dana, thank you again for the time. Really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Oh, thank you, and finally getting to talk to you after all these years. So, <laughs> yeah, been a journey. Well, it, it has been a journey. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the journey, Dana. What has it been like for you to have created these characters, to discover your own love of writing, and then to be able to share it with the rest of us? Um, it's been, well, how can I explain it? It's been joyous at times, very heartbreaking at times. Mm. Um, it's always, it's never been boring, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So, but I've always love to read because of my parents. Um, my mom's an eclectic and avid reader. My dad read certain things. He liked really thick novels uh, like Shogun. And so he's also an actor. So he would read to me and he would act it out. So I've just always been surrounded by books. They took me to the library, to the programs, and I was always getting books and reading books. Mm-hmm. They filled my time a lot because I was raised kind of like an only child. There was a large age, age gap between my brother and I. So by the time I was six, he was at, at college, and so I didn't have a lot of friends, so books filled in the time, and even more so when I became a teenager. And so it's, it's just a natural, I guess, progression from reading to writing, even though it kind of hit me in my teens that you read this stuff, why don't you write it? And But I do have my parents to, to thank for starting me on the path to reading. I say reading is fundamental, and it really is. And so when I was about 12, I was reading Nancy Drew books. And then my mother's, our actually our landlord's girlfriend gave her this historical romance book. I believe the title was um, The Wayward Heart by Jill Gregory. It was a Western. And she did not know what she had done because there's adult themes in that, those books. And so once I got a taste of that, Nancy Drew went out the window, and I was went straight from middle grade or young, I don't know if that's middle grade or young adult, to adult books, and I never t- turned back. Wow. Wow. And, and now here you are able to craft these stories, and, you know, it was it was funny. When we first started setting up this chat, Dana, I didn't even know about the book Shadow Beginnings, right? So I didn't know about the prequel, and um, we were setting this up, and I was like, hey, how did I miss this book? Uh so I want to talk about then how I was introduced to you, and my review is already on Amazon of your debut, and that was Allegra Shadow. What was that experience? Take us into that, because there are so many people, especially this year, Dana, as you know, that are talking about writing their first book and, ex- 
experiencing that. What was it like for you to be able to have this story and then to be able to hold it in your hands? It was awesome, I mean, and scary. It took me about six years or so to write that book. I was having my own health challenges. My family's had health challenges. I was a single, I'm not single, but a stay-at-home mom, excuse me. And so I've been reading and reading romance, romantic suspense, and different kinds of books for years. And I always wanted to, I really like romantic suspense because of the combination of genres. So I said, well, let me try it. And so I set it down in North Carolina where I live because, and where I lived in Hackensack for a few years because I knew the locations and it suited the characters. And it was a tough journey because it took me so long to write it. Um, But when I finally got it done after numerous drafts, it was just a feeling of relief and then submitting it and thinking, oh, my goodness, why am I putting it out there? It is that fear. I don't know if a lot of other writers have it. It's finishing the project and then sending it out into the world and then going, oh, my God, what am I doing? Hmm. And um, I was blessed to be nominated for an African-American Literary Award for A Labor Shadow in 2016. It was my first romantic suspense out of the gate. And that was shocking in, of course, a wonderful way. So it just is more difficult for me at least to – write romantic suspense because you have to blend it and balance it. And so that's always been the challenge. And I still walk that tightrope, my current project that I'm working on. Okay. Okay. So it's always, they say, people say, oh, writing is easy and it's not like manual labor. No, it's not, but it's still difficult. Right. Right. For me, it's right. So for me, it's, um, there are times like I, hate to write this down. I hate writing because it's so difficult or I'm going through something. But then once the words are there, it's like, I love it now. So gotcha. it's just getting through. As I think Maya Angelou said something about writing through the chaos. So wow. it's just learning how to do that. How much is it – I've been having some interesting conversations, Dana. You and I, that should let our radio audience know here in Mississippi. Dana and I, we've never met each other in person, but we have stayed connected on social media. So it's just like we know each other. It's the same same thing as far as, far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but I, I have uh, – and you've probably seen this too, Dana. There is a, a love-hate relationship. I'm seeing a lot of authors experience loving the writing but not the business of writing. You know what I mean? Of the actual – the, like what you're doing right now with me, <laughs> this part, and being yeah. able to, the whole social media thing, and then there's, oh, you have to do this, and then you're supposed to be doing this. And what is, I mean, do you find yourself in that same thing where the writing is the joy, but the business of writing comes, sometimes is the work? Yes, especially for, for me, oh, not especially for me, or maybe people similar to me who aren't um, comfortable putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. So that's been my obstacle, and so this year I decided, well, I'm just going to have to climb over that obstacle and get over whatever I'm feeling and just put myself out there. So yeah, um, get out of the comfort zone, as they say. So that business part, yeah, for me it's like, okay, let me just be creative and write my stuff and put it out there without you having to look at me. That's <laughs> what um, – <laughs> This is the kind of feeling that I have. Um, I feel yeah. like writing is a way of 
okay, you see me, but I don't want you to see me. You see see my work, but don't see me, you know. So right. there's, um, I don't know if it's called a shyness or um, whatever they may, someone else may call it, but just, yeah, it, for somebody like me, it's, it is a challenge to really do the business part of the writing. Like, I just want to be in my room and write, please. I get it. So, but, yeah, it's, but it's also a learning experience saying, well, at least this is something different and it's not what I'm used to. So there's a saying, if you always do what you've done, you'll always get what you've got. So let me do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you made the decision to do that, uh, Dana, and I'm glad to be able to share with our audience as well. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome Dana Sanders-Heel to our program today. Um, we're talking about not only about the literary journey, but also what's been like for her to share with all of you. It all began for me uh, by reading her book, Allegra Shadow, but she has a, a second book she's been able to write that's actually a prequel to Allegra Shadow called Shadow Beginnings. So I want to talk about this, Dana, because it's always interesting to me when authors um, introduce us to characters and then take us back. How did you make the decision that you wanted to be able to tell more of the backstory of the parents? And we should let our audience know, or I should share with our audience, one thing they'll see in Allegra's Shadow that is interesting as we're reading Shadow Beginnings is you have these two sisters, Mariah and Allegra, who have some interesting dynamics with them, but also some interesting issues with themselves and who they are and growing into that and what they're worthy of, what they need, what they want. And then with Shadow Beginnings, we're able to get a different perspective. So I want to talk about that. Dana, what was it like for you going back, or did you always know you wanted to go back? Can I tell us how Shadow Beginnings came about? Well, that came about because after Allegra's Shadow, I was trying to write another romantic suspense, and I was stuck. And so Jacqueline Thomas and Deborah Fletcher Mello, two of my mentors, each said to me in their own way, write something else, put that, um, and um, write what you know. So I thought about, Jacqueline told me about write what you know. Deborah said, write something else. So Jacqueline said to me, well, why don't you, Think about a prequel. You already know the characters. Hmm. And so I thought about it. It never occurred to me before, but I thought, hmm, that's about right. So let me go back. And as they say, you know, let's go way back. So that's what I did. And so I just thought about how are they, how was their childhood? How did these women turn into, these girls turn into the women they became? And so that included the backstory of their mother and father and even some of Brandy and to see where it started, where this division started and how it started. And so it was kind of fun for me going back because I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer and the music of the time, um, I put a lot of music into it because that's the music I grew up with on the radio. And there were some instances where the music fit that certain scene. And so for for me it was, let me see these little sisters and see why they're estranged and show why they're estranged and show why Mariah grew up to be this reserved young lady, woman and why Allegra grew up to be the opposite of that. And so it was a deep dive. I'm into psychology. I like that. So 
it was a deep dive into all of their mindsets. And the father, Robert Sinclair, was actually an inspiration, was inspired by my dad, who I will always point out right away was my dad is the opposite of this man. And (laughs) (laughs) because he, my dad was not, um, my dad is not, excuse me, he always believed that, he always wanted me to feel that I was equal to any boy when it came to ability. He wasn't about gender roles. And Robert St. Cloud, he does love a leg where he's, she's the only one he does love, and he ignores Mariah. And he did some things right by her, giving her confidence, and but certain things he just fell flat on. He just was not good when it came to that. So I wanted to show the dynamic of fathers and daughters and how that affects girls as they grow into women because it's not talked about enough, I don't think. We hear enough about mothers and sons and mothers and daughters, but I don't think fathers and daughters are talked about as much. So I wanted to show how that affects girls and women as they grow up and how they view the world and men and how they interact with people, whether it's a negative or positive or neutral experience. And as far as Mariah was concerned, you know, she was reserved. She was like her mother. She was reserved. Um, And because her father pretty much ignored her, she had a negative view of herself to a certain point. She wasn't a wallflower, as you know. Um, She was more like a combination of reserved and spunky. And whereas Allegra was more competitive and deceptive, and there were times that she was really kind to Mariah as her sister, and that's the reason why Mariah wanted a relationship with her because there were times that she was really kind to her. As you remember in the opening, in the first scene in the shadow beginnings, what happens at that party. So um, this was a natural thing for the younger sibling to look up to the older one. But Allegra put up that wall, so it made it difficult. And, but Allegra was also dealing with her own stuff. I found it was easier to empathize with Mariah because, in a way, I felt kind of like her. I have an older brother who is very handsome, um, very humble about it. But I remember standing next to him and being ignored because I'm surprised people weren't drooling and slipping in it while they're looking, the women especially, while they're standing yeah. there talking to him. Um, and how that can make you feel, especially if you have a sibling that points it out, makes fun of you because you're not considered as good-looking as they are, according to society's standards. So, but I also felt, found some empathy for Allegra. Um, Characters come to me, I'm sure some fiction authors say the same thing, and when I was writing this, I was like, why are you like this? And she came to me and said, well, Daddy told me I'm beautiful. She has this, you know, somewhat a resemblance to Naomi Campbell. I'm beautiful, but um, I'm going to have to work, be like the bionic man. And I don't know if you remember the bionic man, but in the intro, there was a saying, or there was an intro where the guy says, Colonel Steve Austin got hurt in this bad plane accident. We had to rebuild him faster and stronger. And so Allegra said to me, because I'm a dark-skinned black woman, I have to be better, faster, stronger, and smarter than everybody else. And that's why I do what I do. And so I felt 
empathy for in a way that I kind of did not um, before that. And so that drives her character, that she right, has right. to be above everybody. She has to be better. She's not a psychopath or a sociopath, but she's just, I just, her focus is being better and more beautiful and stronger and than her lighter skin counterparts because colorism does play a part. So, yes. and that was a subject I touched on briefly in Shadow Beginnings just to show that that was her insecurity and that's what propels her to be the way she is. It's interesting hearing you talk about it, Dana, because one of the things that came up to me as the reader when it came to Shadow Beginnings is one thing that we learn about the parents. And and I, I think, you know, for myself, that kind of helped uh, me to better understand the dynamics of what happened. So I want to talk about that a bit because, you know, you mentioned with Robert, the father, uh, you know, uh, it helped him actually, as you talk about in the book, to resent his marriage. Um, you know, less. Um, and, and, you know, I, th- I think, you know, that, you, you know, having Allegra there, um, you know, was one of those things that really helped him. Talk to him about, about that, because I think that's another thing that comes through in that book is the dynamics of sometimes just as children can be divisive for some, can be the thing that actually helps others. So what what was that like for you to play with? Oh, as far as Robert's character? Um, right. As far as he was concerned, it was just, like I said, the opposite of my dad. And um, Robert's character, he was born into, well, he was adopted by rich relatives after his mother died. He didn't have, she died when he was a toddler, so he didn't have that maternal connection for very long. But his adoptive relatives treated him more like a son than a cousin. And they had money, and they spoiled him in some ways. Some ways they didn't. So he grew up with certain morals, but he had this, part of him that was just more selfish. Um, he, again, he did love Allegra. He truly loved her, especially since she resembled his mother, uh, which my mother um, told me a while back. She said, well, you know, that's you and your dad, right? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you resemble his mother. And I said, oh, I didn't realize that. And when they say writers put themselves into the book, we don't realize it. And some, so right. someone else points it out. Points it out. Um, so he truly loves her, but it's more. He's always been a more. It's about me, and never one for self-reflection. Like, you know, there are instances in the book where their um, their mother Anna finally got fed up with the marriage and stopped caring about where he was at night. But he was so into. I'm. He was so into. All he could think about was, well, I get to do what I do, and she's not bothering me anymore, but not thinking, why is she not bothering me about it anymore? And then what happened happened. So for me it was kind of alien because my dad's not like that, and it's always hard as a writer to write from the other side when you're not familiar with it, but as I wrote, as I kept on writing, I found it a bit easier to understand him because of his upbringing. And so with Allegra, it was just like, this is my, this is my baby girl right here. And she's the only one I really care for. 
and he would show empathy on certain things, but she was her father's daughter. They were very right. similar where they very charismatic and extroverted and good looking and but neither of them were had any true friends, and they were really not friends to anyone. So that was their deficit. So for so, him, it was just. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead, Dana. Go ahead. No. So for me, it was just with him. For me, writing him, it was a bit of a challenge because I think always writing from the opposite side, like writing as a woman, writing as a man, or someone else writing an able-bodied person writing as a, dis- a disabled character. It's just there's always that challenge of trying to get it right, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and, no, I was just going to say, because uh, I was curious, because you said at the beginning of this conversation about what you're working on now. So are these themes that you're continuing, or are you finding with the new project there are new things you want to explore as a storyteller? Some a little, some of both. Um, the next, what I'm currently writing on is a related story to A Lake of Shadow. The tentative title okay. is What Lies Beneath. And it's uh, another romantic suspense sent in, set in a fictional town called Bowman Point, North Carolina. And it's about a heroine, Trina Carter, who's a medical examiner, and Maxwell Bowman, um, who is a family lawyer, and he's also a descendant of the founding family of Bowman Point. And they were secretly dating in the high school junior year. I'm sorry, senior year. And then the night of graduation, they had plans to take an overnight trip, but he just leaves town. He's gone for about 18 years. He never comes back. So that left her, Trina, of course, feeling abandoned. And she already feels abandoned because in this town, she stands out. She is the only child of her generation with a high IQ that was enough to skip a grade. And she's also a feisty individual. And she's also, her mother, Sarah, suffered from postpartum depression. So I talk about mental illness in the book and how back, this was back in the mid to late 80s. So it wasn't really talked about. And in a smaller town, People just say, oh, this woman's crazy. She's sitting out on her front lawn, just staring out nothing, you know, without trying to help her. They just look at her and say she's crazy in judgment. And so she had a habit of wandering off, and then one night while Trina was a baby, she disappears. And so Trina has always felt abandoned. So my my top topics I talk about, (laughs) excuse me, are abandonment or feeling abandoned, mental illness. It's a... It's a second chance trope in this book, and the issue comes comes in when Trina has just buried her father, and on the day that she buries, the day after she buries her father, she discovers that he was not her biological father. Wow. Which leads her to questions, asking her godmother's questions, and they don't, they say they don't know, um, that, that they're, actually they say their mother never told them anything about the natural father. And on that same day, Max Bowman knocks on her door and says, I found your mother because he was, he bought abandoned land that was, or isolated land that was the site of a murder-suicide decades ago. So very few people go there, and that's where these plastic encased remains were found. And he knows it's her 
mother because of a certain piece of jewelry that she wore. And so the combination of mystery and who killed her mother, because her mother didn't put herself in plastic and put herself in that, in the ground. So it's the combination of murder mystery who, who killed her and finding out secrets and their backstory as far as their love story and their, what happened to, he has his own secret about why he left. So she doesn't want his help, but because she was found on his land and he has a sense of, a great sense of writing injustice, and because it's her mother, he's going to use whatever he can to get answers. Right. And so it's a combination of getting answers about the murder and her paternity and finding their way back to each other. Ah, so that gives us something to look forward to. So, again, yeah, everyone, Dana Sanders Hill has been our guest. We've been talking to her about her literary journey, the two books she already has out now, which are Allegra's Shadow as well as Shadow Beginnings. But she was just telling you guys about her newest work that she is working on as well. So, Dana, definitely looking forward to having you back to be able to talk about that. Both of your books that I've, I've been talking about here, Allegra's Shadow and Shadow Beginnings, are both available on Amazon.com. I got them both from there as well. But how can our audience stay connected with you, Dana? Um, I'm on Facebook, Dana Sanders, um, Dana Sanders fan page, Dana Sanders Hill fan page, excuse me. I'm on Twitter at Dana Sanders Hill. I just started a YouTube channel, Dana Sanders, at Dana Sanders Writes. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, let's see, on Instagram at Dana Sanders Hill. I have, I do want to make a note that I have, after Shadow Beginnings is where I abbreviated my pen, my, my name, from Dana Sanders Hill to Dana Sanders, just because it's easier for everybody. So mm-hmm. if they want to look for it, uh, Shadow Beginnings, it would be under Dana Sanders. And I like where Shadow is Dana Sanders Hill, but I'm sticking with Dana Sanders Hill. I'm sorry, Dana Sanders from now on. Gotcha. Well, we've already uh, we tagged both uh, here for our broadcast here, Dana, to make it easy for them just to be able to click there to be able to get the book for sure. But, Dana, congratulations to you. Glad we had a chance to catch up here and looking forward to our next chat together. I am too. Thank you. Hey, more than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Thanks as always. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care.